Hello, and welcome to the Thoughts on Money podcast, which we like to call Tom. I'm your host, Trevor Cummings, a partner here at the Bonson Group, and we're recording live here in Newport Beach, California. This is the podcast where we have an audio version of our weekly commentary, and this week we're going to be talking about the article, How to Enjoy the Fruits of Your Labor. I'm going to tell you something right now that you would possibly never guess. Sometimes I have to encourage clients to spend more money. Wow, that sounds antithetical to most of the things we write about on Tom, because don't we write a lot about save, save, save? But guess what? There's a huge fear among retirees that they're going to outlive their money. This is not my opinion. This isn't anecdotal from my experience. There are countless surveys. I include one of them, the Transamerica Center of Retirement Study, that shows 23% of the people surveyed were actually fearing that they would outlive their money. Now, I will say this about fear. Sometimes a little bit of fear is good, right? It'll instill this ambition around saving, planning, and just being prudent in general. But sometimes too much fear can be crippling. And that's kind of one of the things that we step into the article to talk about today, this idea when fear becomes paralyzing. Now, I'm not surprised that people are scared to spend money. And let me tell you why I'm not surprised. A lot of the clients I meet with, I kind of tell them, there's a theme. A lot of them have lived a life where they spent less than the average person and they saved more than the average person. So they've transitioned into retirement with a nest egg that is healthy. And that nest egg definitely has enough resources to cover them throughout the rest of their life. But guess what? They spent 30, 35, 40 years working and saving this money. In the financial planning world, we call this transition the transition from accumulation to distribution. But what I want to explain to you is that they've built a habit over those 35 to 40 years on being prudent with their spending and being intentional about their saving. It is extremely hard to break habits, whether it's smoking cigarettes or trying to get in the routine of a diet or trying to start exercising. Breaking habits is really difficult, and this habit is no different that these folks, people we know, uh, have spent their life being great savers, reasonable spenders, and they're going to have to transition to a new style of life where they don't save, but they actually spend. And what happens is because they're fearful of possibly running out of money, they basically sometimes live off of some sort of minimum standard with this fear that something uh, dark and doom and gloom uh, could be around the corner. But guess what? I'm a financial planner. I do these plans all day. I have a a decent understanding of historical markets and what they've done and what people's spending rates can be. So I have to tell a lot of these folks, hey, you should really spend more. And, And why do I tell them this? And it's the title of this article, but these are the fruits of their labor. They have been diligent their entire life to get to, I wouldn't say a finish line, but a point where their nest egg is producing enough income to satisfy their expenses and all of their needs. And hey, they've arrived to that point. Now, to to get to that point and to live in fear for the next 30 years of their life doesn't seem very attractive. So my encouragement to them is, hey, let's start dreaming. What are those things that bring you joy? Is that a family reunion? Is that a special vacation? Is that buying a vacation home? Is that setting up a charitable account that you'd pass down to the next generation? It'll look different for everybody. And that's why the planning process is so important. Now, I will have a slight critique 
to the financial advisory practice and some financial planners that I've seen out there. And it's this idea of making a plan versus planning. So there is this plan, capital P, that uh, some advisors make. And think about it, it's 40, 50 pages. A lot of work and effort was put into it. It's bound, it's shiny, it's nice. And this financial plan is presented to a client one time. And there's all these projections about what the future might look like. And we, we, we go through all the numbers and we say, hey, it's, it's all going to work out. Then what happens to this financial plan? It becomes an absolute paperweight. It collects dust in some cabinet somewhere. That is not what you should be doing. That is creating a plan. What you should be doing is planning. And let's talk about planning. When you are planning for your future, let me tell you a few things. Most of these plans are projecting your expenses out assuming that you spend the same amount, maybe a little bit more each year to account for inflation throughout the rest of your lifetime when you retire. The research doesn't show that that's what's going to happen. The research shows that when you first retire, you're going to spend more than in your latter years. Maybe some of the medical expenses will increase a little bit, but you'll see on the chart that I included that the average American is going to have spending that is going to be decreasing over their lifetime from day that they retire till day that they pass. So that's an important truth to remember. Why that's an important truth to remember is I have no idea what you're going to be spending in your 70s and 80s or 80s, uh, and neither does your financial planner. So honestly, if that's 20 years out or 15 years out, I think it's important to put like a bookmarker and, and to put some number in there so that we can do some forecasts and some projections. But those plans need to be looked at and adjusted each year so you could pivot accordingly. So the reason I'm saying this is that if you create some sort of linear spending and, and maybe the plan doesn't turn out as favorable as you want, that's not probably what it's going to look like. You're probably going to have a decreasing spending scale as you get older. The other thing with these financial plans is that if you use what you're putting in there as the average return or expected return and you project that out in a linear fashion, guess what? Returns are going to be a little bit different each year. If you've been invested in the market a, a long time, you'll see this. You'll look through your historical statements, and guess what you'll find? You'll find that some years you're going to have above average returns. Some years you're going to have below average returns. And guess what? When you combine all those above averages and below averages together, over time, guess what happens? You get to your average. And I just want to put some statistical proof to that. And I included, included this in the article, but if you look at the S&P 500, just as an example, from 1928 to 2017, that's 90 years. You'll see over those 90 years, the average return was somewhere around 9.5%. Average return, 9.5%, 90 years. Now, here's a question for you. That's a long time period, 90 years, right? And we're talking about an average return of 9.5%. In those 90 years, how many times was the return actually between 8 and 12%. I'm using a pretty big range, but I'm, I'm trying to kind of, kind of get around my average. If my average is 9.5, I'm saying, how often in those 90 years was the return between 8 and 12%? Out of those 90 years, that only happened four times. What does that tell me? It tells me most years I'm going to have above average returns or below average returns. And when those culminate together, that's where you're going to get that average number. Why is that important to you? Because if you go into retirement, Perhaps 
a good strategy, a strategy that I plan and that here at the Bonsa Group we work on for a lot of clients is we create a portfolio where the dividends and interest from their portfolio covers most of their ordinary expense needs. That way, regardless of market behavior, you're somewhat covered by using the dividends and interest to cover your ordinary expenses. Now, there's going to be some extraordinary expenses. What might those things be? Those might be your dream things. And those dream things might be funding your grandkids' college or taking a special cruise with some loved ones or making a special charitable donation. It's going to look different for everybody. But from a planning perspective, here's something you might do. In those below average years, 2018 was a below average year. You might not incur any of those extraordinary expenses. Guess what? 2019 is looking like it could be an above average year. So what might you do in an above average year? You might take that extra return that isn't common to every year, and you might shave off some of those profits and use those for those extraordinary expenses. And I always like to re-explain this. Remember, when we talk about returns, like we were talking about a total return of 9.5%, right? The returns are always broken into two different parts. This is how you get to total return. You have one part, which is appreciation, and the other part, which is income. And what I describe in the article is that if you're building a portfolio that's focused on dividends and interest, what you'll find is that the income is much more predictable than the appreciation. And again, this isn't an opinion. If we go back to the S&P 500 and we look over the time period I included in the article, so we go from 1960 to 2017, and in the S&P 500, over that time period, the price depreciated 16 years. So out of that time period, out of those 54 years, 16 of the years, the price depreciated year over year. Again, total return made up of two parts, appreciation and income. The dividends on the S&P 500 over that same 54 years, the year-over-year year only decreased six times. Again, I'm making that point that the income has more predictability than the appreciation. So what do we gather from that when we're doing planning? Hey, if we marry the income to our ordinary expenses and the appreciation to our extraordinary expenses, we can live out some of those dreams that we might have thought were never possible. So that's the idea of making a plan versus planning. Planning is all about this idea that we're going to look at it on a regular basis and we're going to pivot accordingly. And in those favorable years, we're going to do some extra stuff that we've always dreamed of. I close out the article with this idea of it all goes back on the box. I heard a sermon from a pastor once, and he was um, referencing a book by John Ortberg, and the book is called When the Game is Over, It All Goes Back in the Box. And the point the book was making and also the sermon was themed on is that all of us, we know that our, our years here on earth are limited, and at some point our tour of duty is going to be done. We don't take any of our things with us. So there, there's kind of a joke that uh, people say that they want to bounce their last check before they uh, step into the grave. So I think that's taken to an extreme and not uh, as a, something as a planner that I would encourage. But on the other end of the spectrum, you'll see that many studies will show that folks at some level of affluence do have a, a longer expected longevity. So that leads me to believe that a lot of my clients are going to live into their 90s. 
And let's say that they had children when they were in their 30s. What that means is if they don't have a plan on, on, on how to do some of this passing down of their wealth during their lifetime, what very well might happen when they pass, their children that are, that are in their 60s and probably already well prepared for their own retirement will be inheriting this wealth that could be somewhat superfluous. Um, so I'm not saying that that's meaningless for that to happen, but I'm saying how much more meaning and fulfillment might somebody get if they do some legacy planning and they think with their advisor of some ideas on, hey, what can I do over the rest of my life where I can really maximize the utility and joy I can get from this wealth and be able to see some of these things play out, like sending a grandkid to college or some of these other things that we talked about, maybe organizing and funding a family reunion. These are the type of things that I think people would gain a lot of joy from. And I'm going to go back to the beginning of this article to kind of bring us full circle. This is all about saying, hey, if you've got a plan in place and you've done all your due diligence with your advisor on like appropriate spending strategies and distribution plans and, and all of those things, then you really should shift to this legacy planning. And this legacy planning should help you to find out um, what you can do with your resources. And, and it really should diminish some of the fear that a lot of retirees have of this concept of, of possibly outliving their money. So this is a great conversation to have with your advisor and to get an idea of, hey, what does my trajectory look like? What are these forecasts? And help to settle my expectations. What are some of these dream things that I can do or that I can't do? Or how could I modify some of these dreams to work? Those are actually really fun conversations. So I will end with that with an encouragement for you to set up some time with your advisor and to do some of this legacy planning. Don't think you'll regret it. So as always, we appreciate you coming and listening to the audio version of Thoughts on Money. It would mean a lot to us if you rated the podcast and left a comment. And as always, our favorite thing to say, please do email in questions or comments any way we can help. That's what we're here for. And we really appreciate you listening. So until next time. Bonson Group is registered with Hightower Securities, LLC, a member of FINRA and SIPC, and with Hightower Advisors, LLC, a registered investment advisor with the SEC. Securities are offered through Hightower Securities, LLC. Advisory services are offered through Hightower Advisors, LLC. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities. No investment process is free of risk, and there's no guarantee that the investment process or the investment opportunities referenced herein will be profitable. Past performance is not indicative of current or future performance, and it's not a guarantee. The investment opportunities referenced herein may not be suitable for all investors. All data and information referenced herein are from sources believed to be reliable. Any opinions, news, research, analyses, prices, or other information contained in this research is provided as general market commentary. It does not constitute investment advice. The team in Hightower shall not be in any way liable for claims and make no expressed or implied representations or warranties as the accuracy or completeness of the data and other information or for statements or errors contained in or omissions from the obtained data and information reference herein. The data and information are provided as of the date referenced. Such data and information are subject to change without notice. This document was created for informational purposes only. The opinions expressed are solely those of the team and do not represent those of Hightower Advisors, LLC, or any of its affiliates.